And this is take three. Take three. Welcome in, everybody, um, to a very special edition of the Panther Pod. Um, Monday night, we kind of did a recap of all the very exciting games that happened in week one of college football. Um, tonight, we're going to kind of preview what's happening this weekend. Um, we've got a few games picked out that we think are must-watch games. Um, obviously, you know, this is going to be a tough week for us because our two most hated teams play each other. And um, I, I think the best way to open it is to say tickets to that game are as low as $16. Tickets for ours are as low as 48 I mean, they're just selling them out left and right. I yeah. tell you what, Kansas and Southern, man. Mm. They're not yeah. Kansas Southern, but Kansas and Southern. Yeah, no, it, it's rough. Well, um, what a rivalry week. I mean, you, you have those weeks, though, in college. It's like there are some great games happening this week, but not really historic. Historically dominant rivalries, you know, you start to kind of get into conference play a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, but not really. No, it's 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 just kind of a weird weird week in college football. Yep. But this is us at the Panther Pod bringing it to you. Uh, with that, my name's Cole Connor. I'm Owen Spelnick, and you're listening to the Panther Pod. Okay, so let's get into some games. Cole, we are going to talk about two very notably hated teams on this podcast this week. Oh, boy, I can't wait, Owen. What two teams could we possibly be talking about? Besides from our, well, not yours anyways, besides from my natural rivals in Pitt and Virginia Tech, First of all, let's give a big horns down. Ah, uh, horns down. Um, Alabama is at Texas. They take the trip to Austin this weekend. Just goes to show you Alabama's strength of schedule is, whew, man, first Utah State and now Texas. At least they go on the road to Texas. Yeah, but, I mean, come on. That's like going on the road to Utah State. Yeah, it's like, come on. Um, it's Big Noon kickoff on Fox. The Big Noon crew is going to be there. So Speaking of kickoff shows. Yes. Did you see? Yes. Yes. For the brand, baby. I'm so excited. For, For those of brand. you who have not heard yet, Pat McAfee is coming back to college game day. He is going to be at that game we are stoked. That news, I think, broke uh, earlier on today, if I'm not yes. mistaken, that he he's signed a, a multi-year deal. He's a full-time member for College Game Day. He's going to be with Herbie and the boys down there in Austin. I'm so excited. How amazing. How amazing is that? May, now, First of all, like, what a post. Like, I know this isn't well, – it is college football related, but, like, this is kind of a tangent from what we wanted to talk about. But, like, what a post-football career for Pat McAfee. Absolutely. Like, Barstool Sports, one. Two, starting his own very successful podcast with A.J. Hawk, former Green Bay Packers linebacker. Mm -hmm. Three, going into the WWE, and his being show that a commentator. Has, yeah. 
and also being a part-time wrestler. Yeah. And now coming back to college game day. It's what like amazing. Yeah, he's a busy man. And I am so happy West Virginia is going to get some representation on that game day crew. Absolutely. I am for sure. Now, I will say this, though. I am a little sad because Pat has distanced himself from the university because of the 07 backyard brawl. Now, uh, I mean, it's it's tough. As a fan, you expect kickers to make those two kicks. So we're going to rewind and pretend it's 2007. So we're going to, you know, Cole – with little kids, no, I'm joking. <laughs> but we're gonna. Rewind. I'm eight, and you're what four? I'm six. Oh, yeah, wow. Um, but 2007, 2007 backyard brawl. That team is electric for West Virginia. You got Pat White, Steve Slayton, Owen Schmidt, uh, Rich Rods, the head coach. You've got uh, obviously Pat McAfee as the kicker. He misses two chip shot field goals. It happens. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know what happened. It was. It was very. Um, how do I say? It? It's very upsetting to me, knowing that Pat McAfee received death threats. Just did, like it yeah. was a rough time for him. They weren't game-winning field goals. Okay. They would have helped. I mean, that's six points up on the board. That instantly go. That that would win you the game. Those those two field goals win you the game because the final score was thirteen nine. You had six more points. It's fifteen to nine. West Virginia wins it and well, goes on to play and play, also um, uh, LSU for the national yep. title. Yep. Or Ohio State. I can't no, it would have been one. Ohio State. Okay. We were. I think we were the year. After no, Missouri. That. It would have been because if Missouri had not lost to Kansas. I want to say it's Kansas, but if Missouri had not lost in the Big 12 championship game, it would have been, it would have been a Missouri-West Virginia national championship. <laughs> Don't give me that. That would have been, for me anyways, it have been great. But well, yeah, because you would have steamrolled Mizzou. Probably. Yeah, come on. Um, and Rich Rod would not have left for Michigan. Yeah. But well, and he, here's the thing I'll say about it. You can't put all the blame on one player. No. It's, no. it's very much the, and this is going to sound like a stupid comparison, but bear with me here. Have you ever seen the movie Ace Ventura, When no, Nature Calls? I have not. Okay, so the entire premise of the movie is the Dolphins kicker missed, uh, missed a field goal to win the Super Bowl um, in Dan Marino's rookie year. Um, Ray Finkel. And Ray Finkel goes crazy and kidnaps Dan Marino because everyone blames, you know, Ray Finkel for, you know, missing that field goal. Mm -hmm. um, you can't do that to a person. Like, ultimately, we're all human. Yeah. Like, as, as much of an athlete as you can be. I mean, Pat McAfee has clearly demonstrated he's a great athlete. He's no a great kicker. Yeah, great no kicker, matter punter. what. Yeah. Um, he, I, I'm fairly certain he's the all-time Points leader for West Virginia. Yeah. So. It's a shame. It's it, a shame. He missed those two field goals, and that's how he goes out for West Virginia. Yeah. Because um, he, he, he said after that game, he just, he he left. He went out of the state, went to Maryland, Virginia, yeah. like was just off the grid. So I'm very excited to see it. I hope, I hope we get 
Pat back on the back on board, a little bit more back on board, yeah, and more closer to the program. He's part of the Country Roads Trust, which is a um, what, what are they called now? Uh, not a trust. Uh, a gum it. Um, booster club. Booster, yes, he's part, which is a West Virginia booster club that also has the owner of the Diamondbacks on there as well, and very many famous. Mountaineers. Yeah, WU alum. Yes. So he's on that. He's getting a bit more well-connected and well-versed. And personally, I have nothing against him. I was six years old at the time. I don't remember I don't remember that loss. But it's not – I mean, it's, it's just not his fault, and I just don't think he deserved all the hate that he got. No. So as, as a Mountaineer, as, a blow, as someone who loves my Mountaineers, Pat McAfee, please come back. Be a part of West Virginia Athletics. Can you imagine the atmosphere – Dude, he is what Morgantown is. In like, Morgantown, if Pat McAfee came back to like either call a game or to be a featured like member at a game. Yeah, last time he was on game day was 2019 when he was there for West Virginia versus Baylor when Matt Rule was still coaching there. So I want Pat McAfee back, want, want him more involved in the program. I, I am excited. Game day made a great decision. Um, big question, though, is does that mean this is leading to phasing out Lee Corso? Oh, and, and bringing yeah, come in on. Pat McAfee. Like I, I love Lee Corso. I think that that is a tradition that needs to stay, mm-hmm. and I don't think it will if Lee Corso, you know, leaves. But I definitely could see Pat carrying that on. I could see Pat doing it. But I think Pat McAfee is Lee Corso's replacement. Because, I mean, you look at Lee Corso in the past two, three years, he's not doing great. Like, he's, he is out of touch, and he is, you know, he's – everyone calls him the crazy old uncle for a reason. Like I love Lee Corso. I love the mascot pick, the yeah. head picks. But it happens with age, we, you know. Yeah. So, I understand it. Love Lee Corso. Um, and wish him the best. Don't yeah. get me wrong. It is going to be sad, though, if this does, in fact, mean that Pat is going to replace Lee Corso. It's going to be sad to see the coach gone. Yeah. So, but with that, we're going to get back to. Yeah, sorry our, for that tangent. We just, we had to, we had to fanboy out for tangent, a second. Back to Alabama at Texas. Horns down. Horns down. Alabama is a 20-point favorite. Uh, the over-under is 65-and-a-half. So I, I think Alabama gets that. I think for sure they get that. Absolutely. The question is, is how badly do they beat Texas? Do are they, are they for sure? Do you think it's all right? I'll give you this over under, twenty points, un, over or under, over over. They beat over. they beat Texas. Yes, over by by more than twenty points. Here's the thing with Texas. Texas is not ranked coming into this game. No, absolutely not. They shouldn't be. They absolutely shouldn't be. They've done nothing to earn a ranking. They shouldn't have been ranked in the preseason polls. They weren't ranked in. The, it was just the coaches' poll. I there. thought that was. Uh, no, they weren't ranked in the AP Top 25. They were ranked in the Coach's Bowl. Excuse yep. me. Um, Texas is the epitome of a hype train. Like, all they build their brand on every single year is saying, we're back, and, you know, we want Bama and all. Well, now, guess what? You're getting number one ranked Alabama. And honest, honest with you, I'm pulling for Bama in this game. Mm-hmm. I want them to steamroll Texas. I for sure want them to steamroll Texas because it's going to knock them off their high totem pole or yeah, whatever. They're high horse. Right now. 
Thank you. You're Excuse welcome. Excuse me. Um, but so, no, I, I want Bama to come in and steamroll, and I absolutely think they're going to beat them more by more than twenty. Come no, on, I, I think so too. Um, I just think Alabama's just—I mean, they're—they're they're, Alabama's too much to handle for eight SEC like for the SEC in general. Yeah, you—they were too much to handle in the SEC championship game for Georgia. So I'm—I mean, there's no way that a second under second year head coach Steve Sarkeesian is going to beat Alabama. No way. Now, Here's here's my question for you. Okay. I know we've spent a lot of time on this game. Do you think that if Alabama steamrolls Texas as they're expected to, Steve Sarkeesian's seat gets a little warm? It shouldn't. Te- here's the problem. Here's another problem with Texas is they're in this ever since ever since uh, I'd say Mac Brown left. They have yeah. been in this cycle of they get to a good place. And then they kind of fall off, and then they fire the coach. It's like no coach really lasts more than four or five years up there. To be fair, you can also say the same thing about literally any SEC school except Vandy. That's well, because nobody keeps up with Vandy coaches. Yeah, um, but LSU. I mean, well, but here's the thing: LSU was. Let's see, how long was uh, Les Miles there? Seven years. And okay, and Ogeron was there for six. six. Interesting. Kelly's going to be there for five. Interesting. Okay. Next one's going to be there for four. Oh, boy. And so on and so on. Like, the expectations are so high mm-hmm. for any SEC. And you could say the exact – you can make the case for Alabama if they fall off, which they won't. I mean, it, it, they're – They will not fall off until, until – Saban retires. Yes. Or dies on the field, whichever <laughs> comes first. And and I'm I'm not joking about that. Yeah, I mean, no, I know. Saban has basically a lifetime contract at Alabama. Absolutely, he's good through what 2032 or something I think like so, that. Yeah, it's a ten year contract, yeah. so or a nine year contract, whatever. But I mean, it it's very much Texas has the SEC mentality where if you haven't won a championship in the past four years, your job is on the line. Yep. And Texas is nowhere near winning a national championship. Absolutely not, not. in my opinion. Absolutely not. No, they are not. Oklahoma, if anybody's close in the Big 12, it's – I wouldn't even say it's Oklahoma maybe this year. It's Baylor. Yeah. And maybe Oklahoma State. Yeah. Uh, Alabama beat Utah State last week 55 to nothing. Texas beat UL Monroe 52 to nothing last week. The last non-conference opponent Alabama lost to was UL Monroe. Cole, do you have any idea when that was, what year that was? 2016? 2007. Ooh. Was the last time Alabama has lost a Ooh. non-conference game. Yikes. <laughs> yeah. Was the last and that was that just so happened to be Nick Saban's first year as head coach for Alabama? Yeah, it would have been. And that's that was the, when he was come that was when that was uh I think week like his week 3 because he didn't coach the, he wasn't on the sidelines for the first two games, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, no, that was like his coaching debut. Yep. For Bama, and it was coming off his disastrous NFL career with the Dolphins, which I'll remind everyone about. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, th- there's no way that Bama does not steamroll Texas. There's no way they don't. Texas does have a young, a young quarterback, highly touted. Number one recruit out of the 22 class, Quinn Ewers. 
But then there's Bama, cool. who's got the Heisman winner, Bryce Young. On the defensive side, you have Will Anderson. So, I, you know, there's it's just Alabama. Yeah, I know. I know. Good for Texas. Bama's going to steamroll them. Yep, because you, you, you have Xavier Worthy. It, well, I would say for Texas, you have Xavier Worthy, B. John Robinson, but you got an offensive line that, that I mean, yeah. Will Anderson's going to chew up and spit oh, yeah. out. I mean, Quinn Ewers is not going to know how to handle no. this. But if somehow Texas beats Alabama, Big Twelve is on notice. Yeah, because but there's well, and also SEC is on notice too. Yeah, because Texas coming in after beating number one ranked Alabama. Yeah, come on. Al, yeah, there's just I'm I, I'm telling you right now, it's not Texas is just it, it's there's no way they win this game. Um, it's still a big game, uh, or uh, I'll say this: Steve Sarkeesian has explained in his press conference this game doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things to him because his primary concern is playing for a Big Twelve championship. But that doesn't mean that this isn't a big game. It's still a oh, big no, game. Oh no, this is for sure a big game. It's still a big game. And what's great about this game too is it's not going to have playoff implications. No. Now, if Texas wins, then yes, it could. Yeah. But right now, this game does not have playoff implications. It's just, hey, can Texas keep within a t- within two touchdowns of Alabama? Now, I do think that if Texas, unfortunately, I think if Texas keeps it close with Alabama, they'll be ranked. Absolutely, they will. As a two and zero, and then and I think we we've, we've explained this too is like there is no reason for rankings to come out when you're two and zero. No, they need to come out like week four, week five yeah. once you get into conference. That's play. when you kind of start seeing everything, you know, drop. Yeah. So, but this is still this is not a big game for Alabama. It's a big game for Texas. Yeah. Alabama. This is just another opponent for them. And I think Steve Sarkeesian was saying in his press and kind of reaffirming to his players it's like. Hey, we can lose this game. Mm-hmm. Like it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. In the long term, but either way. Um, but also Alabama fans challenge Texas fans. Have As you the seen- worst fans in college football? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no. Absolutely. Have you have you seen this video going no, around? I haven't. So, this video is an Alabama fan that goes, "Hope you go." That that is it's a video, and he squatted down. In a position, he's got like this backpack on him, and he looks at the camera and he goes, I hope you guys can go as hard as we do, horns down, and goes and like starts leaning forward, grabs a football, falls out of an airplane, transitions from from gra- from like ground to airplane, and this man is free falling. Free falling. <laughs> what? Is falling, free falling out of an airplane with the football. I mean, there is this man is not dropping that football. I, he is ho- holding it and hugging it. I wonder how down. many takes it took for him not to fumble. <laughs> I don't know. That'd be an interesting thing. That'd yeah. be an interesting thing to know. But also another debacle that's going on is the Alabama Crimson Tide band will not make an appearance in Austin because Texas put them all the way up in the corner on the second ru- on the uh, on the upper deck of the stadium. That's such a Texas thing to do. No, but the, but here's the thing though is you should do that. I will applaud Texas for this. Don't applaud Texas. I will absolutely applaud Texas for this because 
that is what makes college football college football. One of the great things about college football is having a home field advantage. You don't want the other team's ban on your other end zone. Absolutely not. No. If that if you want if they want to be there, they'll be perfectly fine sitting up in the stands, up there on the upper deck. People can still hear you. You're you're a band, and Alabama refuses to send their band up to the upper deck, so they will not making a be, be making an appearance for this game. So. Take, I don't uh, think that's going to have any It's not going to have any impact. effect. It's, it will have no effect on the game whatsoever. I know that because the band is not beating, although I'll be honest, the band probably could beat Texas just like the. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But also, too, Alabama has the superior mascot as well, a daggum elephant versus a right, longhorn bull. Look, look, all right. I'm all for Bama steamrolling Texas this week. I'm saying in this I game, might even I might even drop a roll tide. You just did. No. <laughs> Not with passion in a sentence. Oh. Um no, we've talked entirely too long about both these teams. Let's move on, please. Okay. okay. Cuz now now we're starting to sound like Bama fans and that's the last thing that I want to be. <laughs> hey, everybody, Cole is now an Alabama fan. Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, next game, Baylor at BYU. This is at 10:15 p.m. On ESPN, could this be a new holy war, another holy war in the making? The Baptists for the versus the Mormons. Number nine ranked Baylor, number twenty one ranked BYU. <clears throat> I think it's going to be a good game. It's going to be a great game. Yeah, this I, is a rivalry in the making, and I'm here for it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that BYU. I don't think BYU beats Baylor. And I think if they do, um, I think that if BYU beats Baylor, that's going to put every single team in the nation on notice. Interesting. Because I think Baylor is good enough this year to make that deep playoff run, like you were saying. I think so, too. But I'm going to argue with you. Baylor won last year in Waco, 38-24. to I think I just think BYU's got the better team this year. They were a really? good team last year. I think they got the good I think they got a good team this year. I think the, they've got a good team. I just I don't think that Baylor's defense under Dave Aranda is gonna give up that much to BYU. BYU returns eighteen starters, while Baylor only returns fourteen of its starters. Now that's only four less than BYU. BYU returns their starting quarterback. Their starting offensive line, their receiving core, and then they start most of their all. Uh, then most of their defense comes back. Baylor has seven coming back on. Uh, Baylor has seven returning on the O line. Five, or I'm sorry, excuse me, has seven returning on the offense. Five of those being the O linemen, and then you have seven returning on the defense. So fourteen in all. But I, I, I think BYU in. They're home at at home at Lavelle Edwards in Provo. Yes, in Provo, I think BYU pulls us out. I think the Cougars got it. If also, again, side tangent. If you have not seen a picture of Lavelle Edwards Stadium, please look it up. It's absolutely gorgeous. It is so beautiful. BYU dominated in passing yards last year and fourth down efficiency. Uh, passing yards, they had 342, and they were two for two on fourth down efficiency. Mm. However, Baylor dominated in total yards, total offensive yards, 534, total rushing yards, 303. They had 75 plays and 23 first downs. 
Well, I mean, look at what Jaron Hall did against. Now, granted, it's South Florida, which is not a team to like sneer at, but obviously, they're no, not it definitely on, is a team to sneer at. They're not on the they're not on the same level as BYU. Yes, they're they're they are not a they're not a they're not a power five. They're a lowly group of five at this point. Jaron Hall, 25 for 32, 261, and two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Granted, he did have a late-game interception, but the game was well, well out of reach by that point. Yes. BYU won 50-21. to 21. That says one thing. Their passing game is good. Their rushing game, Christopher Brown Jr., 13 carries, 135, averaged 10.4 yards a rush with one touchdown. Mm. Their second running back, three carries for 76 yards and two touchdowns. Mm. That is insane. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be interesting to see how Baylor's defensive line copes with BYU's run. But, yeah, I, I still think Baylor pulls it out. I'm, I'm going with BYU. Here's another thing. Uh Defensively last year, BYU's Ben Bywater had seven tackles with two assists, and Peyton Wilgar had four tackles with two assists, uh, two assists and the lone interception last year for BYU. Baylor had four sacks last year, and Jalen Petrie had nine sacks with one assist and one sack, and he contributed to one of those four sacks. I'll ask you this question, though, Cole. Does elevation play a factor in this game? Absolutely. But I don't think we'll see it. Waco. And, and the reason the reason why I'm saying that, and mm-hmm. hear me out, elevation will play a factor in this game, meaning Baylor's offense is going to slow down. I don't think their defense is going to slow down, though. I think looking at what they did to Albany, mm-hmm. which, again, not on the same level at all. No, like, no That whatsoever. was basically week zero for both teams. Yes. Um. Looking at what Baylor did to Albany, like 69 to 10, insane. Do I think that it's going to be a blowout either way? Absolutely. No, it's going to be a great game. going to be a close game. Um, do I think that, you know, Baylor's passing attack with uh, Blake Shapin is going to suffer? Yes. Because I don't think his uh, I don't think his receivers are going to get the separation that they're looking for. So I think this is going to be a ground and pound, you know, old school rush game, which is going to be you know a little boring to watch because you're not having those you know eighty yard bombs down the field that everyone likes now. But I think if you like college football for what it is, you're going to love this game. I think BY I think. Blake Shapin's still going to pass the ball. It's going to be more short to intermediate passes, and I think I think BYU is going to have more of the air attack and the passing attack. Waco sits at 470 feet above sea level. Provo, Utah, sits at 4,551 mm. feet above sea level. That's insane. That is a 1,900 – 1,900 – more than that. More than that? Let me see. Yes, you said I'm 4, sorry. 000. Yes, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> There's a 39 uh, around a 3900 foot difference. uh difference. Yeah. In that 30 3900 feet in elevation that they're going to. I don't think it's going to be Baylor's offense that's gassed. I think it's their defense that's going to be gassed because Baylor's offense will control the tempo of the game when they have the ball. 
Baylor's offense or Baylor's defense defense is what's going to suffer because when BYU BYU gets rolling, it's going to be hard. Yeah. You know, and and it may not play as much of a factor as we think it is, but, I mean, the air gets thin. It's still a factor. The air gets thin up there. I think we saw that with uh, UVA and BYU last year. UVA looked gassed defensively. They looked gassed in the first quarter. Yeah, and it's just it's just because it's it's higher elevation up there. Yeah. But I'm going to disagree with you, and I'm say BYU takes us one. The Mormons win it over the Baptists. I I got to go with the Baptists. Come on now. <laughs> Do you, but I but I will ask you this though. It's it it's the Baptists versus the Mormons. Can this be a new holy war? I absolutely I I think so. Yeah. What do you, what do you think not? they would call it? What do you think they would call it? Because the holy war all already goes to BYU and Utah. I don't know why. I don't see why they can't call it the, the communion versus cup. The Baptist. Ooh, the communion I cup. Like that. You like it? I there like we go. That. The there we go. Cup. We have just now named. We've coined it. We've coined it. The BYU Baylor rivalry. If you see it in two years on ESPN, just they stole it us. from us. Yes, exactly. The communion cup. So there we go. <laughs> Off the top of my head, I mean, I'm proud the of communion that one. Communion cup. I like it. There we go. Yep. I like it. Um, next game is another heated rival for me. And this one, it just feels a little too soon to talk about. Mm. The team that shall not be named. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> just the one we previously lost to. Okay, <laughs> please. Uh, Tennessee at Pitt, 330 on ABC. 24-ranked Tennessee, 17-ranked Pitt. I think Pitt is way too overranked for what they showed on the field against West Virginia. Um, I, I think they're a good team. I don't think they're number 17 in the nation. You know, which again goes back to my and your whole mm-hmm. belief of ranking should not come out until week four. Exactly. Because you can't tell me after week one that you know what this team's all about. You yeah. know, um, Pitt has a good defensive line and good offensive line. They got a lot of return. They got a lot on in the trenches returning. Now out in the skill positions, though, they don't have a lot. You know, obviously, no. key, you know, Kenny Pickett's left, Jordan Addison left. We all know that. We talked about that last week. I think that this is going to be Keaton Slovis trying to prove himself. You know, I think Pat uh, Pat Narducci. Has um, and yes, you heard me correctly. Uh, <laughs> I know what his real name is. I know how his name is actually pronounced. Ardussi. Yes, something like that. Yeah. Um, it's with Pitt. Their coach has said that he would like to run the ball more, and they tried to do that against West Virginia. Seventy-six total yards. They had they West Virginia forced them to throw it over three hundred yards through the air. Now. They got it done, but that was probably because West Virginia shot themselves in the foot on several several instances. So Pitt won this this contest last year, unfortunately, forty one to thirty four. It was fairly even last year in terms of stats and offensive yards. Pitt had three hundred and ninety seven offensive yards. Tennessee had three hundred and seventy four offensive yards. Mm. Last year with Kenny Pickett, what really helped them win this game was the passing attack. And I wouldn't so go as much, as far to say as as it was the air raid, but it was it was the passing attack that really took down Tennessee. But this year, like I've said, 
Pat Narduki has said that he would like to run the ball a little bit more, a lot more. However, Tennessee is very high on their run defense this year. So can they make Pitt one-dimensional and make Keaton Slovis put that team on his shoulders? I think that's where you're going to see how how it goes. Because – but on the other side, though, is how much pressure can Pitt can put can Pitt's defense put on Hendon Hooker? Yeah. Last week they had uh, last week versus West Virginia, Pitt had three sacks and seven quarterback hurries. So, you know, I just think that if Tennessee can start fast, they were the fastest team in FBS last year, averaging about thirteen minutes and thirty seconds with the ball last year. Here's the thing I will say for a run defense. A good measure is total tackles in a game. Now, granted, this isn't TFLs. They're not tackle for loss. Tennessee had 78 tackles last week. Guess what they didn't have? A sack. Yep. They did not have a single sack. Mm. So we're going to see if... Tennessee's defensive line and their vaunted run defense from this offseason. Because I've also heard them talk about, you know, oh, Tennessee's going to be the next, you know, defensive line powerhouse and fear our front seven. We're going to see how well they do against, you know, Keaton Slovis. Pitt quarterback threw for 300 yards, yada, yada, yada. I'm still not convinced that Keaton Slovis is, you know, the next great pick quarterback. I don't think he will be. No. I, I think he had a good game against West – and I, I apologize. I know this is very fresh. I think he had a good showing against West Virginia, but I think it was more so on what you said. The coaching staff emphasized the run so much, and I think that the defense was keyed in on the run. And I think that's why we saw West Virginia post multiple sacks last week. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how Tennessee takes that transition, mm-hmm. knowing that Keaton Slovis can at least throw the ball down the field. Yeah. So it, it's going to be a good game. Uh, I've got Tennessee winning. I also think Tennessee can pull it out. I think Tennessee's the much more improved team this year. Yeah. And if they can keep up that offensive speed, I just don't see how Pitt can – I mean, Pitt's going to get gassed. And they Pitt had trouble when, – when West Virginia went tempo last week, Pitt had trouble keeping up, hands on yeah. knees, a lot of out of breath there. Uh, what really won the game for Pitt last year was not just their passing attack, but the turnover battle. Pitt dominated the turnover battle. They did not turn the ball over a single time. Tennessee turned it over three times, two fumbles and an interception. Um, Hendon Hooker looks to be much improved after his, his – well-played season last year. Um, so it's both sides of the ball for both teams are going to be interesting to watch. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting game to watch, and I know you you won't be watching it because it's Pitt. Um, I'll probably be at the Ferrum game for that one, honestly. If it's 3.30, yeah. probably more than likely I'll be at Ferrum. But I'll be um, keeping up with a lot of it. Tennessee is favored to win 54.1 to 45.9. Mm-hmm. The spread is six and a half in Tennessee's flavor. Or flavor. <laughs> favor. Welcome to Flavortown, guys. <laughs> um, and the over-under is 66 and a half. 
I definitely see them hitting that. I I, I think they're going to go over. That. I think I think it's be a high scoring game for Tennessee's sake. Yeah. Um, will Pitt fans pack the stadium again? Rumored, it's rumored that not many Tennessee Tennessee fans are making the journey to Pittsburgh. Mm. Personally, I think the only game that Pitt fans care about was the backyard brawl. Yeah. And Penn State. And if they play Notre Dame, those are the only three games that Pitt fans yeah. really care about when Pitt plays. So, unfortunately, <laughs> because as as much hate as and I don't like Pitt. Uh, let me preface this by saying I don't like. Pitt. I have not many. I have not met many people that do like Pitt. <laughs> Pitt is a historic team that you can't you can't argue. Before the Great Depression, yeah. Before the Great Depression, <laughs> thank you. Um. They have a lot of historic rivalries, and I think Pitt has always at least fielded a very competitive football team. Now, in the 90s, not so much. But early 2000s, 2010s, they were at least competitive. They had a, they had a rough stretch from 2006 to 2010, which is why beating West Virginia in 2007 was such a shocker, was they were just not no. hitting on all – they were not firing on all cylinders at all that game. Yeah. Uh, or at all that year, but it just so happened that that game, they unfortunately every dog has its day. Yep. <sighs> okay. Um, but like I said, I think Tennessee pulls this one out. Three thirty on ABC. I agree with you. And I think I think it's at least by two touchdowns. Um, I'm gonna say ten. Ten. Yeah. Ten touchdowns. No. <laughs> oh, <God>. ten points. <laughs> I know what you meant, but I just yeah. wanted to No, ten points. Seventy uh, to seventy to ten. A touchdown and a field goal. Touchdown and a field goal. Okay. It would be eighty to ten if it was by ten touchdowns. If they won by ten touchdowns. Oh. Anyway, moving on. Fair enough. Okay. Um here's a next game that nobody is looking at, but because I am a big time just overall West Virginia fan in in the state aspect. I am. I know what game you're talking about. Okay, I'm also excited for this one. Um, and this is a game nobody's talking about, but I, I I saw this on the schedule, and I and I for sure this is a team that definitely can jump up and bite these two, bite this team. Marshall at Notre Dame. Oh, and I've wanted to talk about this game all week. Please, so to preference this, I'm going to ask you this. I'm going to ask you this right now. Before the show, we talked about we talked about that we we talked about teams that we had notes on Tennessee, Pitt, Alabama, and Texas, and then uh, what was the other one we talked Baylor, BYU. We yeah. all had notes on that, okay. But I told you that I was surprised you with this team. Do you have notes on this game? I have some notes. Okay, so you did take notes, but yes. it's not like you. Okay, no. Fair enough. The reason why I wanted to talk about this game is this is such a great matchup. It, it, no, it is. And people are going to be like, oh, it's Marshall. It's like, but here's the thing. As I, I will say this too, and I've said this many times on here. Marshall has a very soft spot in my heart just because they're, they're a West Virginia team and they're very, very much the little brother to WVU. They're, West Virginia is 12 and 0 against Marshall. Should they play more? I think so. Is it? But it's not worth it to West Virginia to go play Marshall a lot financially wise. I wish they would play Marshall over Ohio, but that's beyond. That's besides the point. Um, Two thirty p.m. on NBC and Peacock. You can find it there. Here's why I'm excited about this game. Marshall finally got rid of Grant Wells. Goes to Tech. We see how that's going. Um, currently, 
Grant Wells, I mean, all due respect, but turnover machine over there at Marshall. Yes. Marshall gets a new quarterback, like we said, after Grant Wells transfers Virginia Henry Tech. Henry Columbia. Notre Dame is going under. If, if this is a time to get Notre Dame, Notre Dame's undergoing a lot of transition. New quarterback yeah. this year, Marcus Freeman. They played, but they played really well against Ohio State last year. New coach, year. Marcus Freeman. New coach, yes, not yeah. new quarterback. I'm, I'm saying, but also new quarterback in Tyler new, Buckner. Yes, in Tyler Buckner. Marshall's one of those group of five teams that can jump up and bite you when you least expect it. Here's here's what I'm excited about. For Marshall's sake, mm-hmm. Marshall is the underdog. Absolutely, they're 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 under by uh, they're plus twenty on this. Yeah, Notre Dame is favored to win eighty eight point eight percent. Marshall last week posted six hundred and twelve yards. Yes. Holy crap! Yeah. <laughs> Against FCS Norfolk, but yeah. still, there was another team on the field. Yeah, that's there was insane. N- and um, 380 yards rushing, 232 yards passing. Notre Dame, nowhere close. Which, granted... They, played, Dame, a, they played a much tougher opponent. Yes. However, I think that this is going to be a shootout. I don't think it's going to be an offensive, like... Yeah, power punch after power punch. I think this is going to be a shootout offensively and defensively. Both of these teams have demonstrated that when it comes down to it, they can play. Yeah. And I am so excited for this game. I I, I was also very – I've been very intrigued by this game. I've been excited for you. uh, I've been excited as well. And it's also too. It's like two great movies are also going at it. We are Marshall and Rudy. Like this yeah. is this is we are Marshall. This is the Hollywood. Bowl. This is yeah. This it's the Hollywood. Bowl. Yeah. Uh, there we go. We just come on the, now. Way to go. Way to go. We're coining rivalry games left and right. Do yeah. I think Marshall and Notre Dame are eventually going to be a rivalry? Probably. Absolutely. Probably not. not. That'd be cool to see though, because yeah. I mean, Marshall is. Uh, I mean, Notre Dame is a rival with Navy. That's another rival that they yeah. have, but. You know, you know, Cole. I looked up. You know, I, while I was doing the notes for these, I wanted to know who the new quarterback for Marshall was, and it said Henry Columbia. And I was like, "Man, that name sounds really familiar. Really familiar. Why do I remember that name? You know why I remember that name? Because that's the quarterback, the backup quarterback for Texas Tech that beat West Virginia in Morgantown last year. That's why I remember that name. I am so excited that Henry Columbia." Is finally getting his time to shine. I was following him in high school mm-hmm. when he was playing. He in was Fort good Lauderdale. at Texas Tech. Yeah. And here's the thing too is he went twenty four for twenty six last week. One touchdown, one interception. Yeah, I mean he posted a solid game last week. Yep. Uh, going back to those those uh, the three hundred yard rushers or the three hundred yard rushing yards that Marshall had. Two of those, two hundred of those were by two. Two running backs. Marshall had two 100 plus rushers, not 100 yard rushers, 100 plus rushers. One of them averaging 11.3 yards a carry, another one averaging 8.5 yards a carry. Uh, however, though, defense, I wonder, is a question. Marshall allowed 114 yards through the air last week and only had one sack. So, here. 
I think that Notre Dame is going to treat this game as, you know, okay, we lost week one. Let's rebound. Let's beat the brakes out of Marshall. I don't think Marshall is going to let that happen. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Marshall's very much like App State and Coastal Carolina. Like yeah, they can, they compete. can get up there and jump and yeah. bite you. But they can compete. If they were to be in a Power 5 conference, they could compete in a Power 5 conference easily. Easily. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just I, – I, I saw this game on the schedule. I was very excited about it. Like I said, I have a I have a soft spot for my heart, Marshall. Now, if Marshall and West Virginia were to play today, absolutely, I'm going 100% West Virginia. Oh yeah, no. and I will talk smack about Marshall so much. But I don't consider consider Marshall as much of a rival because they've never beaten West Virginia. They've only played us 12 times, and they are 0 and 12. West Virginia is 12 and 0 against Marshall. So I'm not like for that reason. I can't really hate on Marshall. Now, yeah. they're they're the little brother program and I like to call them the thundering turd every now and then. <laughs> so, you know, it's 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 a little, you know, sparring back and forth, but I I would love nothing more than to see Marshall beat Notre Dame. Oh yeah. No, that would be the upset. I it would be the upset of the year. Fun it fact. It has to be. Fun fact. Marshall's head coach, whose name escapes me right now, he was actually, let's see, what's, what's his name here? Charles Huff. I knew his last name was Huss. Huff. Huff. Huss. <laughs> Charles Huff was an assistant for Nick Saban. He was an Alabama assistant. And after Doc Holliday was let go, or contract not extended, they did not, he did not re-sign with Marshall, Doc Holliday pretty much retired. Which, by the way, what a cool name for a coach. Yeah, come on. Doc Holliday, who did really well at Marshall. He was their Huckleberry. Uh, yep, he was. Doc Holliday actually was a coach at West Virginia as well, not a head coach. He was offensive coordinator. He was another assistant. Yeah. But got promoted to head coach at Marshall. Charles Huff was a um, was an assistant for Nick Saban. And we see how Nick Saban assistants have been doing so far. Kirby Smart, Lane Kiffin, Steve Sarkeesian, not, not as much. Uh, but still, I mean, I don't want to bring up Texas again. I really don't, <laughs> but you brought it up. Texas is – I'm not going to say they're on the up, but they're on the upswing. Would you like to know what position Charles Huff said – or Charles Huff uh, – what position Charles Huff ha- held at Alabama? What? He was the associate head coach Ooh. and running backs coach for the University of of Alabama. You don't get that position if you don't know football, especially under Saban. Yes. And with all those other, you know, head coaches that Saban had on that team. Um, That's, yeah. I so, would absolutely love Marshall. I, I'm in the same boat as you. I think this is going to be a phenomenal game. Everyone's projecting this is to be a blowout in Notre Dame's favor. And it very well could be. We could be very wrong about what the stats are saying. But I'm very excited for this game. You yeah, know? absolutely. I'm so excited that you picked this game. <laughs> I, 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 know, <laughs> like, I was I hoping you would. I was very nervous that you were going to roll your eyes at this, but I, I'm, I was getting really excited for this yeah, game. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I'm... I mean, like I said, it's a West Virginia school. I'm very – I will pull for West Virginia schools until they play each other. Yeah. So, for that reason, I hope Marshall wins this game at Notre Dame. 
Um, the spread is 20 and a half. The over under is 51. I, I definitely see them. I don't see them getting the over. No. I think it's going to be, I think, uh, over under of like 42 would probably be a little bit more reasonable. Yeah. Um, but I don't see it being a twenty-point blowout. I, I'm just I'm excited for this game. This yeah. is this is a cool. I just to me personally, this is a good matchup. This is a cool football game. Yeah, and the Sun Belt's no joke either. The no. Sun Belt is a is the a Sun Belt proved that last year. The Sun Belt I think is going to be the new American Conference, the American Athletic Conference after Houston, Cincinnati, and UCF all leave. Because the Sun Belt's going to take over, and that, that Sun Belt East is going to be phenomenal with Marshall, App State, Coastal Carolina, JMU. And then in the West, you have uh, Louisiana Lafayette. Yeah. Raging Cajuns. Yeah. Raging. Raging. Um, so, yeah, that's Division I college football. We ended on that on a very exciting note. Now for Farum. Farum this week, it's home opener against. Muskingum, a first-time opponent for Farrell. This is the first time these two these two teams have ever played. Muskingum is uh, is a school based in Ohio. They will also play Mount Union later later this season. Oh yeah, <laughs> oof. That's a that's a big oof right there. Um, first-time opponent for Farrell. I'm I'm excited for this one. This. Uh, I love it when we play new teams, when we play a new a team we've never played before, and just gives a little bit of history, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Musk and Gum. Would you like to know what their mascot is? Their Please. website. The Fighting Muskies. Now, I don't, I don't think I'm an ignorant person, by no means. Um, I think I'm fairly well educated. Oh, and what's a muskie? <laughs> I have no idea. I have no earthly idea. Um, it's a fish, I think. <laughs> it's what it looks like. It looks like a... I'm going to be honest. It looks like a rabid catfish. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, no. Oh, gosh. It's... You know, it just looks like a bottom feeder of a fish. It's... So I mean, I guess the Panthers going fishing this week. Panthers going fishing. Um, like they're gonna go catfish noodling. And <laughs> I, it's got to be some type of bottom feeder of a fish. The musking gum fighting muskies. Ooh, that's a rough logo, isn't it? Isn't it? I love how they just copied the Minnesota M. Yeah, or Michigan M, whichever one yeah, that either is. Way. Um. So, we know what happened last week with Farum. Mm-hmm. Farum averaged Farum did pretty well over the, over the air uh, or through the air. They looked more well disciplined, only four penalties throughout the entire game. Rushing could have been better. Again, division 2 opponent in UVA wise. Yeah. It's very going from you know, it's not, it's it's hard for FCS opponents to beat F, FBS yeah. teams, but it's not unheard of. Rare, yes. But it's not unheard of, especially for teams like North Dakota State, Eastern Washington. We've seen it with JMU, App State when they pulled that amazing upset. UL. U, yes, UL, uh, UL and Row when they were FCS. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I just think it, 
it's but it's different because in Division three, if you're not familiar with Division three football, Division three athletes, to my knowledge, unless they've changed it, do not get athletic scholarship. It's all academic. Division two is when you finally start getting into some of those athletic scholarships there. So these are scholarship players, scholarship college football players playing for UVA wise. Last year, um, to kind of go over musking gum a little bit. Last year they finished five and five, four mm-hmm. and five in their conference, uh, three and two at home, two and three away. Um, there's not really a whole lot of information about, you know, um, their roster. They don't really have a whole lot of big name recruits or recruits names that we recognize. Um, they did score 259 points last year. Mm-hmm. Averaged 25.9 points per game, posted a little under 3,500 yards total. Yep. Um, most of that was through the air. If, posted a – oh, that's total. Total yards for the post, year. Yeah, posted 3,485 yards gotcha. total. 2,417 of that was through the air is what I'm seeing. Say that number again. 2,417 passing yards. No, 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 no. They averaged 241.7 passing yards a game. And they played 10 games. And they played 10 games. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. Never mind. Continue. Um, <laughs> yeah, come on. Um, <laughs> if Musk and Gum has a similar team to what they had last year, this should be an easy win for Ferrum. We've seen Ferrum's secondary. It's definitely improved. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, we didn't... Four intercept or three interceptions last week. Yeah. Um, no, no, no. I'm sorry. Was it three three fumbles or... Th- or Three fumbles, one interception. That's right. Um, if Muskingum returns a very similar team to what they had last season, this is going to be a piece of cake win for Ferrum. Possibly. I mean, they if if it goes that way, if their stats are true, they averaged twenty six point uh, twenty six points a game. They allowed thirty one. Yeah. So by that knowledge, if we're just going off of that, then Farum Farum wins yeah. right out. Um they're they're away I'm looking at their away record. They were two for two three, and three. Two and three yeah. away from home. Uh, they allowed 190, almost 200 passing yards, 193 yards allowed through the air, and allowed 200, uh, 201 rushing yards. With a grand total, they allowed offensively, they allowed almost 400 yards of offense each mm. game. Oh, yeah. So, I think that this is an absolute tune-up game. I think this is a good game for Farum heading into L- yep. Lagrange or Lagrange. Lagrange. Okay, I'm going to call it Lagrange. Um, <laughs> Agree to disagree. Agree That's to fine. disagree. Um, no, and when I say tune-up game, I don't think this is going to be a blowout one way or the other. But I think it's an easy like two-touchdown win yes. for Farum. I think that Farum gets momentum on their side this game and carries that into Lagrange. And carries that into Shenandoah. Okay, but that's that's my opinion. Okay, um, you know, for Farum this year, I or for Farum for this game, I think they win thirty-five twenty-one, thirty-eight fourteen. 
Ooh. Ooh. I would love to see the odds on this. What's the over under and what? But we don't get that because it's D3. <laughs> or maybe we do. It's just not easily accessible. Yeah. Maybe we should start doing that. We should. I don't know how to make odds. That's. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> I'll call Caesar Sportsbook up. You there know. we go. Yeah. Very funny. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I'm I'm excited to see the home opener. I didn't get to see much of, of Ferrum last year, but I think I think this is a more this is going to be a more accurate representation of what this Ferrum team is going to look like. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean, for Ferrum's defensive line, and I mean for Ferrum's front seven to force three fumbles against a D two opponent, mm-hmm. that front seven is going to be formidable. Yeah. This year. Yeah. So I'm excited for that. I'm excited to watch them in person. Games at 1 p.m. this weekend, Saturday, September 10th. Um, show up, show out. It's going to be a lot of fun. Me and Cole are going to try to make the game. So this is going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm I'm excited for again. First time opponents get me excited. I love seeing the first time opponents for Farum. Yeah. And Farum has a little bit of history. Now we'll cover this next week. Farum has a little bit of history with Lagrange. So. Maybe it is Lagrange. I think Lagrange may sound a little bit better than Lagrange. We'll, we'll get to agree that. to disagree. We'll get we'll to figure it out. That's a future Panther Pod problem. All right, we live in the present, the here and now. Um, so that's yeah. a Sunday problem. That's a. Uh, that's a. I guess maybe Wednesday. Who knows? Whatever. Either Again, way. we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Um, so yeah, and this is this is Muskingum's first game of the season. Yeah. So and, well, and that we couldn't pull up stats on Muskingum for this year because they're are they are opening their season against Ferrum at Ferrum. Yep. One p.m. Come on. Yep. It's going to be a lot of fun. Next week we'll have some hist- history stats against yes. Lagrange, an old USA South opponent for Ferrum. So there's that. Cole Connor. Owen Sapelnik. <laughs> um, I'm going to start us off this week for my take or my preview for West Virginia. Okay. Um, and we're going to start off with Kansas, looking at West Virginia's opponent this year. Looking at Kansas, and these stats come from uh, somebody called WV Stats Guy. His name is Joel, and he posted these stats the other day on Twitter. And Cole, I just want—I'm going to read you these stats and tell me what you think. Kansas is a okay. Kansas is a what you would consider a easy win of a team, especially in the past, you know, tw- a ten to fifteen years. You would—you'd say that, right? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. So here's some stats. The last. One, two, three, four, five. Uh, one, two, three. The last four games for Kansas. They beat Texas. They lose to TCU by a field goal. They lose to West Virginia in a one-possession game at home. And then last week they blow out an FCS team. Now remember. Kansas beat Texas last year. They did. And <laughs> at Texas, too. They beat Texas in Austin. And now Texas thinks they're going to beat Bama. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Sorry. Anyway, <laughs> this stuff, it's, it, that was a little chuckle there. A little, that, was Sorry. Your in, that was your inside voice coming out. Wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, that was that was the inner monologue coming out. The inner anyway, monologue. Excuse me. <laughs> Last week, Kansas blew out an FCS team, which is expected for a Power Five team. Kansas last year stormed the field because they beat FCS South Dakota in a three-point game, 17-14. to 14. Kansas scored 56 points last week against, F- against their FCS opponent. The last time Kansas scored 56 points in a game was in 2007 when they went 12-1. and one. Was the last time Kansas had ever scored more? Scored fifty six points. Had a high scoring game. Mm. This game, W West Virginia WVU, is favored by thirteen and a half. The over under is sixty. Kansas had over five hundred yards last week in total offense. Mm. Five hundred yards last week. West Virginia had over four hundred yards last week with almost two hundred rushing yards and two oh eight in passing or two between two oh eight and two fourteen in passing. So what that 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 means something right there. Kansas is improved. They are improving under Lance Leopold. We said as much last year. Yes. West Virginia posted four hundred yards against the number seventeenth ranked team last year and should have won that game if not for mistakes that co- mistakes on West Virginia's part. Shooting yourself in the foot. You shot yourself in the foot with the mistakes last week. West Virginia looks much improved offensively. Much improved. And really, the only thing that you don't return is your quarterback. Look what happens. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, how sad. Daggy's look look what happens when you have a, a very talented quarterback – in the pocket for West Virginia. Look look what the, – well, and, and I say that, you, you don't return your starting running back last year in Letty Brown, your 1,000-yard rusher. Still, yeah, but Donaldson though, is way on pace to beat 1,000 yards. Cole, that man didn't start playing – didn't start uh, playing running back until fall camp this year. Yeah, he came in as a tight end. He came in as a tight end and just now pl- and is just now playing – Running back. And he reminds me a little bit in how big he is and how he'll just make holes for himself. He reminds me of Derrick Henry in that way. Maybe not speed-wise because Derrick Henry can move. Yeah, he's a freak of nature. But C.J. Donaldson is a freshman this year. So, you know, that's that's something I think that you you can't teach speed. I know that. You can't coach speed. But I think, I think you can work on it, though. I think you can get a little bit faster here and there and improve some. But – I'm excited for that. West Virginia has to come out focused. Your focus has to be beating Kansas to a pulp and not not what happened last week. You can't you can't think about last week. You've got to focus on West Virginia. You've got to focus on West Virginia and you've got to focus on beating Kansas. This is the first night game in Morgantown in 4 years. Um 6 p.m. it's on ESPN Plus so you have to stream it. This is Neil Brown's first ever night game in Morgantown. Mm. First ever night game in Morgantown. Morgantown is going to be electric. Yep, it's the Gold Rush too. So that. Oh wow. Yep. So it's West Virginia fans are going to show out. I hope it's a sellout. I know it's Kansas. I understand it's Kansas, but 
but but Kansas is getting better. This is you want to start the year off right and be one and zero in conference play. Here's a thing that I will say about Kansas. Last week, Kansas posted 297 yards rushing. West Virginia allowed 76 yards rushing. Yep. Kansas posted 205 yards passing. West Virginia allowed 308 yards passing. Jalen Daniels for Kansas is – I mean, he's brought some life into that team. He's good. Yeah. Jalen Daniels is good. Kansas is not a team to sneer at and say, Mm -hmm. wow, it's – playing Kansas this week. It no, Kansas is on the upswing. Yes. West Virginia wins this one hands down. I think the media has made this into a trap game and I think it very well could be a trap game if like you said West Virginia doesn't focus on West Virginia and beating Kansas. If they don't come out mentally prepared, this is for sure a trap game. Yeah. Um they look much improved from last season. They, you, um, you talked about some of their offensive stats. Receivers have hopefully worked on catching the ball this week. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of drops last week. One more emph- infamous one, which we talked about this on the Monday show, is it can't. It is a little unfair to Bryce Ford Wheaton for that being the staple of that game. But he made a mistake. Yeah, he made a mistake. Yep. Um. Again, I don't think he deserves to be ridiculed over it. Like just you know, like we talked about with Pat McAfee and getting death threats. Absolutely not. That's not okay whatsoever. No. But you're you're a Division One FBS top tier receiver. You've got to make catches yeah. like those. You're you are in one way getting paid by getting an education, a free education. And also probably also getting paid on top of that. Yeah, with NIL money, now that that's legal. Well, and also probably a little <laughs> – come on. Um, but, no, you're you're a Division One athlete. You are expected to catch a football no matter what. And that, I understand. That should be your base. And I, under, I get it. You know, it's hard to do. Happen. It's hard to – there's a reason that you're on that field is because yeah. you're doing something hard and you're good at it, like really good yeah. at it. Don't don't forget this guy had two hundred two touch two hundred yards. He had two touchdowns last yeah. week, and I think over a hundred yards reception. Nine uh, nine receptions, ninety seven yards. Okay, but so right there yeah, at a hundred. Yeah, right there. At. So um, if he caught that ball, it would have been JT. Just but keep anyway. doing. Yeah, I know. Hush. <laughs> um, JT, just keep doing what you're doing. I yeah. mean, strong team leader. He seems as though, from what he's given in his press conference, that he's got this team mentally prepared. That they are going to that like they're yeah. they're they. I mean, they have got vinegar in their veins. They are red hot mad from last week, and JT they're going to take it Daniels out of Kansas, Kansas. Is everything that Neil Brown thought Jared Daigie would be? <laughs> yes. That yeah. And, and the only reason why I'm saying that is Neil Brown was so high. On Jared Daigie. Yeah, he was. And JT Daniels is proving, you know, granted he's only played one game for West Virginia, but in that one game he proved that he was every bit better than Jared Daigie ever could have dreamed of. He he, he proved that, you know, he the hype around him was yeah. was real. You know, there's a reason for that. So um, he, seems, he seems to have really – 
just fit comfortably right into that leadership role. And here's the thing, too, is he's been on a national championship winning team. He knows what kind of he knows what a fighter, what a national championship team, what a championship winning team looks like. And he's mentioned he goes, you know, I could have gone anywhere I wanted to, but I came chose come to West Virginia because you fight and you know and and you, and you can and you play good football. You 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 guys are talented, you know. So that's that gets me very excited that a national champion has said that about West Virginia. Um You've got to beat Kansas. You got to go three and zero these next three games. You got to oh, yeah. beat Kansas. Got to beat Townsend handedly, and you've got to beat Virginia Tech on the road. You've got to finish out your non-conference. You know, I say your non-conference, but you you got to finish out your non-conference two and zero. You've got to finish out these next three games, three and zero. So I mean, you're already starting under five hundred right now, but me and you both, brother. Yep. Yep. <laughs> So, but I'm, you know, I'm going to watch this game, obviously. Yeah, I'm pumped on. for it. I'm pumped. I'm, West Virginia gets to play football, and I'm excited to see what they can do at home. And here's the thing, too. If they played that good against Pitt, and that is possibly the best defensive front they've seen all year, which Pitt, they again, will see. that they will see all year. Um, Hello? <laughs> that's, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the makings of a great year. Right there, you put up 400 yards against a really good defense. That I mean, that's that's impressive. Um, the thing I am looking for as well is secondary. They're not young. They've got a lot of experience. Charles Woods, Charles Woods is out. We don't know for how long. I would be surprised if he came back for this game. And then uh, I think his name is his first name is CJ. So CJ McCormick. Last name is McCormick. I know that for sure. Called out for a targeting call. Think he's going to be out the first half of this game. But you know, I'm so that's two of your experienced your uh, defensive backs right there. But I think this is going to be a better game to help mesh, help help get those guys to mesh a little bit. And I think that's what last last week was. It was just week one. You got the jitters. Things don't really aren't aren't meshing as well because it's a high stakes game right out of the gate. Um, yeah. So all that being said, Cole, West Virginia, Kansas. Who do you got? I've got West Virginia. Come on. Like as much as as much as as much as Kansas is <coughs> on the upswing and as much as, you know, hey, they might be a Big 12 threat here in two seasons, I don't think they're there yet. I don't um, know if they'll win a bowl game. I don't know if they'll go to a bowl game this year. I definitely think they will next year. Maybe. And it very well could be like the Mariners in the 90s where it's like this is the team of the future and they never materialized. Mm -hmm. This could be Kansas. It's like, oh, Kansas is, oh, man, they're, they're going to be great next year. Next year comes. Oh, man, they've got the world of potential. I think they're going to be great next year. Um, I'm not saying that it's the same old Kansas we've always seen. But West Virginia wins this one hands down. Score? Um, <clears throat> the spread is 13 and a half. The over-under is 60. West Virginia wins 48-21. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. Now, remember that when I'm talking about Southern. I... 
I already have my opinion. Give me all the stats you want for LSU, but I've already had my opinion made up about this game as soon as I saw it all on the schedule. Yeah. Um, hey, but you know what? Cole, I got to dip out because um, I'll start showing up on time more often when L- when Brian Kelly starts winning more starts winning games. <laughs> Cole, are you you good? Um, was it the debut? <laughs> That everyone thought it was going to be for Brian Kelly. No. Was it a good Florida State team that LSU lost to? Probably not. Did I see flashes of a good LSU team on the field? Absolutely. Is Ali Gay going to be suspended are going to be out of the first two quarters for a targeting call. Most definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Look, no bones about it. We play Southern. Like, it's the first time that LSU has ever played a HBCU, historically black college or university. Um, And it's, it's a very historic matchup. For us, I think they're and they've made a big deal about it all week. LSU and Southern are actually partnering up all across both campuses um, and doing quite a good bit. Do I think LSU partners up with a team that they know they're going to destroy come Saturday? Yes, they wouldn't do that kind of publicity if we weren't going to beat the ever living snot out of them. They wouldn't do it with Alabama. No. God no. They'd probably do it for with Vandy. Yeah, maybe Vandy. But definitely, definitely not Bama. Brian Kelly would be gone. Um this is Kelly's first home game as LSU coach. It's at seven thirty PM on the SEC network. So won't be able to watch it unless it's another, you have it's, the SEC network. Yeah, it's another it's another streaming game. Um LSU is favored by 98.7%. What's the spread? They don't even have one listed. They legit do not have one listed on ESPN Network. Interesting. Let me see if I can find it real quick. That's... Um, But while we're looking up, let me give you some stats. Okay. I'll, I'll look it up. You give me the stats. LSU last week against Florida, Jaden Daniels showed out. Florida State, you mean? Well, Florida, whatever. That team in Florida. Um, 209 yards passing, 114 yards rushing. He took four sacks. Do I think he's going to touch the ground this week? No, he should not. He shouldn't. Do I think he is going to absolutely destroy Southern? Yes. Against Florida State, he was 26 for 35, 209 with two touchdowns. 
He got sacked four times, so his bell got rung. What concerns me is besides Jaden Daniels, Noah Kane, Armani Goodwin, and Josh Williams combined posted for 39 yards and one touchdown. Mm. We need to get our offensive line together. What also concerns me is Kayshawn Boot taking off every single thing related to LSU off of all of his social media. Mm. I, I was asking you about that. I sent you a text over the weekend asking you if Kayshawn Boot was going to transfer. Yeah. As of right now, he is not listed into the transfer portal. Would it surprise me if he sat out this game? Yes, it would. Would I be, like, absolutely shocked? No, I wouldn't. Kayshawn Boot did not show up last game. He had two receptions for 20 yards. And a lot of that was Jaden Daniels just not looking his way. You know, and I think Boot might have a diva problem because Boot carried the team last year offensively. He had a majority of the offensive work share. Southern is a good team. They are not on LSU's level. Absolutely not. They should not be. Absolutely not. I found the line for it. Oh, what's the line? Caesar, Caesars did not give a, an official line. Caesar, like there was no line given. I mean, it was just it's that much of a blowout that they're not even going to bother with it. The hypothetical line is 38 and a half points Ooh. in favor of LSU. Ooh. So, yeah, there, there's yeah. that. Um, this should be – now, I think LSU needs to focus on this game and they can't be worried about Mississippi State breathing down their neck next week. Gotcha. Um, like I said, 7.30 p.m., SEC Network. Um, Owen, what's your score? <laughs> I got Southern winning the – no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm 100% joking. I will joking. come across this table <laughs> right now. No, I'm 100% joking. LSU wins this 52-10. to 10. 100% they win this 52-10. Yeah. to 10. Oh, yeah. I'd be surprised if Southern even gets 10 points. If Southern kicks a field goal, mm-hmm. it's going to be a defensive disappointment, I feel like. Um, that being said, LSU 52-3. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, last thing before we wrap up, we're going to make this a little bit quick because I know we're running over. Um College football playoff, Cole. We talked about this a few weeks ago in our summer special, week one, something like that. Um, we, you know, I asked you which did you prefer, the playoff or the BCS era. We both gave our reasons for why I like the BCS, why you prefer the playoff. The playoff is expanding. 12-team playoff coming as soon or as possibly as soon as 2024. Good. I mean, yes. And there are some. Josh Pate is one of those who believes that expanding the playoff is not good for the sport. And I think his reasoning is it's turning college football into more of a basketball atmosphere. Or into more of the NFL, turning yeah. it into the Sunday game. Yeah. 
And I understand that mm. because Josh really loves the bowl games and the postseason, something special and nothing else you will ever see in sports. Understand that. I love bowl games. Um, but the play, but in this day and age, bowl games don't matter as much as a national championship. No. God, no. Because bowl games were more or less created because you only got two teams to play for a championship. Now, that doesn't mean bowl games don't matter. The way I think you fix the bowl system is you have an incentive, uh, a monetary incentive for players and teams that if the if players miss out or decide to forego the um, the bowl game, then they don't get that monetary incentive. In the in the world of NIL now, I think that's going to be a possibility to really up the ante of these bowl games. Which it's a shame. It is a shame. Because you have good bowl games. Like the Alamo Bowl is a historic bowl. The Sun Bowl. The Citrus Bowl. The Gator Bowl. The Liberty Bowl. All of these bowls, which are not New Year's Six bowls, but are instead just kind of Tier 2 bowls, are now seen as irrelevant or worthless which uh, they're useless not useless consolation yeah prize. which yeah. they're not because i would love because i love it when west virginia makes a bowl game i was excited about when they got to play the guaranteed rate bowl last year did the name suck absolutely but i was still excited that we won a bowl game because that defies some sort of success even though it was a rough year it defies some sort of success for your football team with that being said, I'm super stoked for a 12-team playoff. Do you realize, Joel Clapp put this out on his podcast, do you realize that if they, had, if they had started out with a 14, or a, excuse me, a 12-team playoff when they started out in 2014, over 41 programs would have been included. Do you know what that does for recruiting? Coastal Carolina, Memphis, Colorado, TCU, um, Penn State, Arizona would have even made the playoffs yeah. in that 12-team playoff. Yeah. Do you know what that then does? That and, and I agree with Joel Klatt in this, is that possibly spreads out recruiting saying, hey, I know that you want to go to Alabama because there's a national champion, because you have a good, great chance of winning a national championship team there, a uh, national championship there, or making the playoffs at least. In this four-team system, but now if you have a twelve-team system, that opens up schools for a bargaining tool. That's eight more programs that are benefiting from, you know, national exposure at the end of the year and the beginning of the next year. Exactly, and I. But I also agree with Josh Pate's idea or um, his sentiment when it coming to this is just because you flood the market with more playoffs will devalue the playoff. No, I don't know. I, I think that's a wait and see. I think it's going to be a wait and see and see how that happens or see how that plays out. Because his, his example is, okay, well, we see what's happening with – we're not getting into politics here. This is just an example. The U.S. economy being in a rough spot right now, what did they do? They flooded the market with the U.S. dollar, which has then decreased the value of the U.S. dollar. If you're going to put – and his analogy is, okay, you put more playoff spots – available you're going to decrease the playoff and to a certain extent i can see that but but i like that does that does tremendous things for a coastal carolina that does tremendous things for a memphis for a colorado for an arizona or cincinnati for a cincinnati look at cincinnati they played a great game against a very talented arkansas team last last week so 
I'm excited for this. Here's how it's go. The four highest-ranked conference champions will be seeded one through four, with each receiving a first-round bye. Teams, teams seeded five through 12 will play each other in the first round on either the second or third weekend of December. The quarterfinals and semifinals will be played in bowl games on a rotating basis, and the championship game will be at a neutral site as under the current four-team format. Here's what I have a problem with with this 12-team format. Make it a home and home game. Yeah. Don't put don't don't throw bowl games until you get the New Year's Six bowls in there. Even then, I would I would even say add another layer to it and make them play in that four in those New Year's Six bowls. And now you can't do it because of the second and third weekend in December, obviously. But I would I would say make them play in a New Year's Six bowl, make them win the bowl, and then you go to the playoffs. I I think that helps out with the bowl games a little bit. Um, and then it, you can play your playoff season. But I would love to see like the number twelve team come in to the number five home team's playoff at home, like a home game. And then you don't get to your neutral sites till maybe the national championship. Uh, but that's just me. I'm, but I'm not. I you know beggars can't be choosers here. Yeah. So I'm excited for the twelve we're team getting, playoff. We're finally getting a twelve team playoff. We're finally getting it. Um, and that's. Uh, I'm excited for it. I would love to see it be. I I don't understand why it can't be implemented in this year. I'm sure there's other logistical. Well, it's the SBN contract. Yeah, and I think that's that's really what it is. But again, I would shoot put it in this year if you want to. Yeah, I'd be fine with it. So ultimately, it's more football. It is more football. Like who doesn't love that? There's there's never anything wrong with watching more football. Um. What I do think we'll see cropping up is teams like Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, Georgia, the usual suspects. And yeah, we can go ahead and call Ohio State. Um, we got the usual suspects with the BCS. LSU was in there. Alabama, yeah, in the later portion well, of it. And and let let me finish here. Okay, sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. Um, the usual suspects are going to start complaining. Why do we have to play an extra week of football? That's just more, you know, reasons for us to get hurt going into the national championship game. I know for a fact that Saban is going to say something like this because that's just who he is. <laughs> and don't get me wrong. Um, it's not just Saban who's going to say it. It's going to be Dabo. It's going to be these big programs who are always in saying, why do we need to include another week of football? Now, granted, I don't think it's going to be anything public because I don't think Saban or any of the big-name programs are going to go against the NCAA committee on this, but I think that the top programs are going to – you're going to start seeing complaints saying, oh, this is just endangering our players – you know, costing us possibly a spot in the national championship game. Um, am I very excited about this? Yes, 100%. I've been saying, I think from, the, from day one on our first episode, that I won a 12 or 16 team playoff. Um, I'm excited. I, I think it's going to be great. I think they're going to do a good job with it. What I am curious about is the six bowl games that they're going to elevate to and I think we'll get into that a little bit later on. Um, 
what I am curious about is what six bowl games are they going to choose as those? You have your New Year's six bowls. Right. But what other six games, what other six bowl games are, are they going to pick? I feel like it'll be like things like the Gator Bowl. Yeah. The Citrus Bowl. Oh, the famous bowls that everyone knows. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited about it. This has been an exciting episode. Oh, yeah. We were excited about I'm Marshall. Still, I'm still stoked about the Marshall Notre, Notre Dame. Dame pick. Yep. Um, I'm excited for our night. Is yours a night game? Is LSU a night game? Uh, yes. 7.30 p.m. Okay. I'm excited for, for, you know, for the night games that we both have, even though they're I'm excited for both the night games that we have. This. I'm, um, it's going to be a lot of fun. College football. Knock on wood. Yep, yep. Um, college football's back. It's week two. Hopefully we don't go 0-4 this week. Ah. Ah. Okay. For that. <laughs> Knock on wood. Um, for that, I'm Owen Spelnick. My name's Cole Connor. And this has been the Panther Pod.